Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. We are noontime, bean time, middle of the day, middle of the country, middle of the dial. You've heard me say that all so many times. This is indeed Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We've got one more hour. Stay tuned. Bring it on. Bring it in. Vote early. Vote often. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. company was founded in 1947 by my dad. A lot of the stuff you hear me say, you know, probably a third to, you know, almost a half are things that I learned from my father, you know, values-based things. Uh, A lot of the consumer advice I give, you know, you know, for example, we had a question, you know, of, uh, you know, Donna called, wanted to put a ceiling in the basement, small children, boom, 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 running across the first floor, want to, you know, quiet that sound into the basement. You know, sometimes you just can't get there. Um, you know, uh, and, and for example, and and I'll I'll extrapolate on a couple of these questions. We've got some really big questions that came up in the first hour that have a whole lot of pieces to them. Uh, we'll unpack those here. And that sound is one. For example, uh, if you live in a multi-level condominium or a multi-level apartment, uh, there are fire laws, uh, that separate, you know, so one apartment catches on fire, you know, how, what, what do the building codes and what are the builders of that structure, uh, put together to try and keep the fire in that box, in that uh, apartment or condo. Well, one of the things they do, uh, they put more drywall on the ceilings. They have demising walls that might be concrete block in between, which is, you know, left to right. So, you know, the idea is that building catches on fire, that unit, that condo, that apartment, and it burns the roof off, but it doesn't catch everybody else on fire, you know, left and right. So that's kind of, well, part of those consequences of fire uh, suppression materials uh, also are sound attenuation. They're sound controlling things. Uh, so there's a gypsum uh, liquid underlayment. Uh, so over the floor structure, like Donna has, a, I'm assuming, a wood floor joist and wood uh, floor carpet on top of that with her kids, you know, run through, around, you know, two and four year olds. My, you know, good luck uh, uh, with that. Very noisy. That's just what kids do. Um, but on these apartments and condos, oftentimes they will pour what you and I would think of as a leveling compound. It is a gypsum-based, kind of a cement-type slurry, but it's effectively a very lightweight, porous, um, a lot of uh, air bubbles in it, and it's a softening. It's like a, another layer of carpet pad, but some of those things will be a half-inch thick, some will be an inch, some, you know, even more, uh, depending on how much, you know, how how costly that building is and you know what the price point is those um, building uh, developers are trying to hit Uh, so the point being that there are other ways you know you can pull back the carpet and pull back the pad and pour this um, you know uh, gypsum uh, sound deadening surface on it Uh, you know that's one thing so you're you're um, putting less dense building materials, i.e. carpet pad, carpeting. Both of those work very successfully for sound uh, deadening. Uh, then you put this other stuff underneath the carpet. With the, the downside, you know, the bad news of that is now your floor all came up an inch. 
All your doors don't work. Your dishwasher no longer will come out from underneath the countertop in your kitchen. Your fridge doesn't fit. You know, yeah, uh, you know. So there's all kinds of these. So my point being, you know, especially to Donna is, you know, you're kind of there for now. Uh, wait till your kids learn to be a little quieter when they're running. You're never going to stop them from running, but you know, um, it's just not worth it from a consumer basis. Uh, sometimes retrofit, remodeled dollars are not. Uh, effective, uh, and I'll I'll take you to a very exaggerated thing. Uh, one of the first national awards that uh, my company Mosby Building Arts won was for building the train cars out down at Union Station. It was a very fascinating job, uh, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun to learn. One of the things that a uh, the the construction manager, the fellow that we worked for, a fellow named Dan Dewis, still around St. Louis now. If you're listening, to Dan hello uh but uh dan uh he, he would take delivery of these cars after all the trucks and all the heavy railroad stuff was done to these big metal boxes they'd ship them over to uh um union station on the tracks and we worked on them then and this is in the mid 90s uh pretty similar to about the same time i i started on KMOX. and dan would have a quarter of an inch of lead rolled sheet put on the floor and it was for sound deadening. Literally, um, you know what it's like hitting lead. Lead is a really absorbent, soft, you know, if you hit it or impact it, it just absorbs that material and deadens the sound. Well, uh, think of that. So you're running, you're running steel wheels on steel tracks and you're, you know, doing 80 miles an hour. Well, every time you hit one of those rail joints, uh, boom, 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 you know, just like we do with a car on the highway, you know, that sound. So there are all kinds of materials that can soften and deaden the sound. You can't really stop it. Uh, when you get in a sound recruit, you know, re- recording studios like here at KMOX, you know, I'm sitting in a room that has, you know, oodles and oodles of stuff in the wall, separators, so that the sound that comes in uh, doesn't transfer into the building materials. And there's this, you know, thick sound surface on the inside of these studios. It's, it's amazing. And the doors are like moving a vault door because one of the ways of controlling sound is increase the mass. So you've got this double glazed sound glass on these doors here. And literally when I come into the studio, I kind of lean back. I'm just a few inches from putting my foot up on the wall to open that door. But that's how heavy these doors are because they're sound deadening doors and they're made for that. So the point, Donna, is there's a lot of stuff you can do, all of it costly. And unless you do it from the get go, when the house is being built assembled new construction it's very costly and the the return on investment is very low so that's one example there and that that was uh donna's question uh phone lines are open for your topics i'm just uh i'm i'm, I'm i like these questions we have some really uh far-reaching questions in the first hour here on KMOX. 314-436-7900 bring it on bring it in and, and give me a call here but uh it, the sound attenuation there are three ways you can um, handle sound or control it it's separated or isolated so that means you have a two by four wall and then the surface of the wall normally we just nail drywall right onto that or plaster or paneling or whatever it is well there are these z strips which are kind of isolators 
you don't really hang the drywall on the studs. So when the sound hits the drywall, it transfers it directly into the 2x4, which transfers, transfers it to the other side of the wall. And then that drywall or plaster is like a speaker fabric, and it moves. So it transfers um, acoustically that sound. Well, what if one of those drywall surfaces wasn't really um, directly to those built so isolation is one increasing mass uh, which you know I described kind of which is typical for our uh, sound doors here in these studios here at KMOX and and Odyssey uh, that's a, another and then um, a lighter weight which is kind of opposite from increasing the mass is an acoustical or a softer material like carpet, carpet pad. So those are three of the ways that you can address uh, sound. But uh, And all of those in retrofit or remodel or adding on later, uh, costly and uh, not very effective. It just, it's hard. You can muffle the sound, but you can't really get rid of it. So, you know, some of that I learned from my dad. I'm going back to where the company was founded, all that stuff. The point being that, yes, you can, and I'll help you with the decision of, no, you shouldn't. You know, it just sometimes the dollars are excessive to the value that gets delivered by that construction project. You know, so, um, you know, in early in, in my career with uh, Mosby Building Arts, I'd go out and talk to people and they'd say, well, how much is it? And I'd say, well, it's $50,000. And they'd say, well, it's not worth that. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I, I, you know, that you asked me how much to do that. You know, now let's talk about solutions that will bring whatever your goal is, you know, for less dollars. And that's how Mosby Building Arts became a design-build company, trying to deliver enough value. We can't necessarily affect the costs because, you know, we want it to be right. We want it to age well. And we want it to be worth the price when you're finished 20, 30, 40 years later. Well, you know, so and we're accountable to building codes and good building science. So that you can't really control that cost but you can control the value what do i get for that is it the right size room is the window put in the right place uh and that kind of gets to the accessible bathroom being added uh earlier one of the questions we had from linda and you know frankly if you put it in the cheapest place you may blow away waste all of that money because no one wants that house anymore so you'd spend a lot of money to destroy value uh, but if you put that bathroom in the master bedroom where it belongs uh, where perhaps somebody else with mobility issues and there's a bunch of us out there at all ages uh, maybe they need a first floor bathroom with accessible feet well now that's a rare feature how many homes in st louis if you go looking for a new house an existing house how many have an accessible bathroom well, if you need an accessible bathroom, you have a very short list. So there's high demand, uh, unique, uh, limited exposure. But if she puts that bathroom where it belongs, not only will she likely get her dollar-for-dollar dollar investment back, and it may cost her a whole lot more to put it in that place, but at least it makes sense. I, You know, I have a $100,000 house, and I put in a 30, 40, 50, whatever it is, the bathroom. If it's in the right place and the right thing, it adds value. If it's in the wrong place and it just like in the dining room, who wants that? You know, you get you, know, you can't put your dining room to anyway. Scott Mosby Home Improvement 314-436-7900. I'll take a short pause and come back for more after this. Oh yeah, Home Improvement Scott Mo Wow here. Check this out. Watch watch this movie. Watch this. Yeah, here. A little moonwalk. Watch yeah, check. Yo, uh, yeah. Oh, attitude there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. No. Never mind. Oh, my producer's freaking out. He says, this is radio, brother. This is not a visual medium. Oh, well, Gary, I promise I'll get back. I get carried away. Uh, but, you know, you get a few headphones on, the microphone moves a little bit, and off we go. Uh, Scott Mosby, home improvement. Uh, we're trying to get my medication adjusted. I will be back to the uh, normal uh, uh, earth level here in a moment. Uh, phone lines, uh, bring them on. I'm a little lonely here. The weather's just too good. You're all out there hanging around in the good, you know, doing in the yard and all this stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. But give me a call. We've got uh, things to discuss and solve for you. 314 436 Bring them in, uh, and I'll help you the very best way I can. Uh, I do have some good uh, topics to discuss still from our first hour. One was the sound attenuation or controlling for Donna small kids. Bottom line on that one is it's just not worth the effort. You spend a lot of money for a little bit of improvement. uh, And granted, if you know that up front, you can make that consumer value decision for yourself. And we'll talk about some other things here in a little bit. Uh, 314-436-7900, 1 o'clock here. Uh, Following this show is your retirement professionals right here on KMOX, and then 2 o'clock, the business of family business. Uh, So those are, uh, anyway, I I love those shows. Uh, And we have more to talk about, but bring them on and uh, bring your questions. Uh, 314-436-7900. Another question we had was uh, from my friend uh, Gail putting on a flat roof and tuck pointing and you know she had questions about uh, features and all that Um, it was a good uh, question Uh, so anyway her question was EPDM which is a black rubber kind of a truck inner tube tire looking material and then TPO which is a reinforced uh, composite fabric with um, uh, you know a white plastic material I forget the material you know there's another one on top of that that uh, gets to uh, urethane I, I, I'm, I'm getting out of my element here I'm a good generalist the point being these are uh, two of the top three choices for membrane flat roofs uh, and uh, one of the things is when you're picking uh, that color, you have the ability to reflect the heat or the solar gain and reject that back up into the sky. So uh, EPDM is a black rubber roof. It's hard to get it any color than black because it's made kind of like a tire inner tube in big roll you know, forms. Uh, and these things weigh a ton. I mean, think of an eighth inch thick roll, 10 or 12 feet long, usually 10. Um, TPO and some of the other uh, polyester materials come in six foot rolls where you have more seams, which is a little bit of a downside. But if you're getting a tougher fabric membrane on a flat roof, you know, it's a good trade. Uh, 314-436-7900. If you've been uh, holding one of those questions, bring them on and bring it in. Uh, So anyway, uh, Gail was asking about tuck pointing. Do I tuck point before my roof? How much time do I have to wait for that cement or tuck point material to cure before we start putting screws and nails and things into those mortar joints. Uh, you can pretty much do it right away. Um, so, you know, most of those roofers are uh, comfortable with that. And she was getting good advice that you really need to get this tuck pointed so that when I put my roof up and over it, I'm not covering a bad surface. So she had really good advice on that. The point being that when you get this 
flat roof put on your house, that membrane, you can, you're, you know, so I'm just going to use a dollar. So let's imagine that a hot mopped asphalt roof, kind of what you and I would refer to as a black tar roof, maybe it's a dollar. Um, so you go up then from uh, the dollar, it's like, okay, how much is an EPDM roof? So that black roll membrane, you still do the substrate, you still do all the stripping, uh, but that black, black roll membrane, the material itself, and typically the labor, because it takes longer to lay this stuff down, it's like putting a vinyl floor in your kitchen, only it's up on the roof, and it's, you know, 90 or 100 degrees when they're usually doing it. Um, so the point being that, that roof goes in, it's very heavy, and you now have to very carefully seam this roof and roof and lap these over a good six inches a piece so that you have the under you know so if it's ten feet wide when you get it installed, you lose six inches on the right side, you lose six inches on the left side, so the net area that you're covering is nine feet well. That might be, you know, a dollar fifteen or a dollar twenty, and I'm not sure what the actual numbers are, but it's, you know, it's ten twenty percent more. Uh, then you get to a uh, TPM roof, which is I'm trying to think what you might run into in a material. Um, it's uh, it's like a very heavy duty reinforced. Uh, swimming pool liner, if you will, um, but it has so it's it has the advantages of the uh, EPDM, which is the black rubber, but you put a reinforcing uh, fabric in that then makes it even more resistant to puncture penetration or problems. And you you know if you have a flat roof, uh, you know we do them commercially all the time. You know so we have air conditioning and heating units that sit up on top of these roof materials, so all the servicemen. And the service women walk around on that roof. They walk on this material. Uh, you get sticks and tree limbs and hail and all that stuff. Um, the asphalt material also has a fibered reinforcing uh, uh, kind of a felt layer. It's the actual stuff that the uh, asphalt liquid puts together. The asphalt liquid asphalt roof is kind of the, that's the glue that holds the other stuff together. But it's uh, it, it's black. Um, and it does expand and contract a lot. The EPDM, the rubber roof, expand and contracts less. The TPO is available with a white top smooth surface, and it uh, is very good in hotter climates. So when you get south, you might fly into, you know, Miami or Fort Myers. You're going to look down, and, and even the Amazon roofs around here when you fly into St. Louis, you know, a lot of those roofs out in Westport and the big warehouse district, you know, they're white. Yeah, and that's because the uh, heat gain from the summer drives the air conditioning costs so much <clears throat> that it makes a lot of sense uh, to uh, abbreviate the air conditioning costs. And you and I, uh, residentially, so you and I spend a dollar on heating and cooling 12 months out of the year. So uh, of that dollar, about 57% here in St. Louis is spent on air conditioning. So you and I generally spend more on air conditioning than we do heating, and that's because of the humidity. Uh, An air conditioner is a dehumidifier, so when we chill down that metal box and ductwork, it also hits the water in vapor form, the relative humidity, so it takes the water out of the moisture out of the air, so it drops the relative humidity. Well, you drop the humidity in St. Louis, all of a sudden, you and I are far more comfortable because our body, our perspiration of our body in lower humidity, you know, our body, we, we perspire and it cools our body far better 
than when we have high humidity. I know I'm going off here. Uh, you can stop all this by giving a call, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. The point being that you kind of get what you pay for. You have to know what you're uh, asking, and that's where I was particularly um, uh, impressed with Gail's questions uh, and, and likewise, uh, you know, uh, that Lee's question. I want to get into Lee's question with the smart side, the LP smart side, uh, the Hardy is a brand, but it's cement board and then vinyl siding. I'm going to get a little bit into that. I do have a little bit of bias, uh, but uh, I will answer the questions directly. The LP smart side is kind of like an OSB chip board material so it's the last material you would expect to behave like it does um, but it's got such a high plastics content because of the glue that holds all that stuff together that you know when we first were exposed to this stuff oh man i'm thinking 10 10 years ago louisiana pacific is one of the big you know lumber uh, companies and the, they they figured out that they can make this stuff very resistant to moisture uh humidity and uh and rot anyways we stuck this stuff in a five gallon bucket of water and and kept it submerged for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks we did the same with cement board uh i don't know if it was a hardy material or at the time it, it was a certain teed but the fiber cement very good material uh, is a little more porous and it does uptake water which is you know not enough to really worry about so i'm kind of exaggerating my point being that the lp smart siding uh, actually was more resistant to water than the uh, cement board was um, but you know you get the cement boards you get a little bit south of here and with the winter we had this year uh, any kind of cement board is really not going to have any deterioration on a pretty mild winter like we had. We get rain, so we get a lot of rain. Stuff gets wet. Then the freeze comes at night. That, you know, what it does to concrete is is a problem. So likewise, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit here, but you get down south of us, uh, you know, southern Arkansas, Miami, areas like that, they just don't freeze. Cement board down there does just fine. Uh, anyway, let's uh, see what's happening with my buddies here. I do have some callers. Let's talk to Janet. Hey, Janet, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you today? Um, I would like to know how to remove effluence from my basement floor. Uh, stop the water. Uh, efflorescence is the symptom. The problem is water migrating from high concentration. In, so you have water underneath your basement floor. Um, wet always tries to dry itself, so it moves from high concentration of the water under your basement floor, and it's coming through, and with it, it's carrying these salts that are common in concrete, mortar, and masonry materials. So what, what I'm telling you is you have water under the basement floor. As far as removing it, um, vinegar. Uh, vinegar will dissolve those uh, vinyl, those vinegar, the um, uh, efflorescence, which is kind of a lime buildup. Uh, so it's easy to clean off um, and it's hard to stop because typically with newer homes, newer homes would have what's called a vapor barrier or a piece of plastic underneath the basement floor. Then the concrete is poured on that. Um, some homes uh, that are old enough, you know, before the 70s, uh, they didn't have that plastic in by, by building code. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I, I w frankly, um, as wet as it's been, Janet, around St. Louis, this is going to be, I, I would propose to you that next year or the year after that, there'll be less. Clean it up with the vinegar. You know, just 
regular old household vinegar and just let it sit there and it'll boil kind of like baking soda on a uh, car battery it'll dissolve the stuff uh, you wipe it up it's you know it's just vinegar so it, it, it's a little oh. caustic to your fingers but not a big deal okay well thank you okay take care good question thanks for the call bye all right Bye now. Uh, Janet calling. F fluorescence. E F F L O R E S E N C or S C E N C. F fluorescence. And what it is, is it's moisture moving through a cementitious material. And as that moisture dries out, if you will, uh, it picks up some of the lime and mineral deposits from the mixture of that concrete or of the mortar. Uh, anyway, uh, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I'll take a pause and come back for more. Uh, still looking for a few calls here. 314-436-7900. I'll be right back. Oh, yeah. Oh, a little foreigner there. Ah, yeah. Well, or for those of you in the St. Louis area and the KMOX family, we are all of one family right here in KMOX. Uh, 314-436-7900 puts it together by phone. Uh, next up, I want to talk to, uh, let's see, Doug. Hey, Doug, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you today? Hi, Scott. Hello, Doug. Um, yeah. Hi. Yes, sir, you you're me? on. Yep, you're okay. on camera. Um, I I have a uh, late 70s, early 80s house with a, with a uh, concrete is poured around the basement windows. Uh, they're steel framed. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they're rusted through on, a, on yeah. the bottom of the frame. What are my options for replacing something like that? Um, take out completely the steel frames and put in replacement windows. That's pretty much your only option. What happens is water travels behind the siding above, behind the brick above, all of that moisture behind whatever your exterior wall cladding is, whether brick, stucco, vinyl, plywood, whatever it is, that moisture travels behind and it comes down and it sits on top of your concrete foundation. So it just, boom, runs right into the top of your foundation concrete wall. Well, that moisture then eventually comes down and, you know, migrates around the frame, around the steel. And I've seen some of those uh, windows that just rust out and they're really hard to cut out. And they're, you really Mm -hmm. can't, you know, it's not the sash that's rusted. It's the frame poured into the concrete. And those window frames literally are set in before the concrete is poured for your foundation. So it's not something you can, you know, get in there with a screwdriver and a, you know, crowbar and get it out. So it needs to come out with a grinder or you leave, you just pull the sash out and you put in most commonly their little small vinyl replacement windows, little sliders. Uh, And that's probably the most affordable way is just a replacement window Um, because then the vinyl doesn't get affected. The steel behind that vinyl replacement window will continue to rust. So you may show a little bit of rust leaking out or leaching out around that um, vinyl window or white aluminum brake metal finish that gets put around there but that's pretty much the only way to get at it because you will not stop the source of the water that travels behind your house wall cladding so what is a window attached to the the kind or the old are you talking about attaching it to the old frame 
Uh, kind of, actually, we typically kind of glue or shoot, you know, with stud shots. In, you know, we create a, a fastening uh, material, um, and it sits in on top of that frame. It and has to be a little bit smaller because you can't. You still have to get this whole thing through there. Um, so the window, you lose a little bit of window on it. But yes, some fastening yeah. method needs to go, or you actually use. Um, cement screws that drill and roto impact in, and then we screw them in with like a Tapcon screw or something. Okay, it's it, it's a it's a little it, it's not a big deal, but it's a high skill um, uh, awareness. Be, you know, but that's that's the best way. Good question because that's not uh, often done. But man, once those windows start rusting in that foundation, you, you play havoc to stop it. All right, Doug. Thanks, brother. All right. right. Take care. Bye now. Home improvement, Scott Mosby came. And these are the, you know, the little bitty windows in your basement. You go down in the basement. They're like a foot tall. They're actually about 16 inches tall, usually about 32 inches wide. And they're hopper windows. So, you know, the top moves in and closes back up. Um, So you you can get a, a hopper window in there as well. But the best solution I've seen for that is either concrete block. You can actually pull those whole things out. And I, I omit it. I missed that, Doug. Um, but frankly, um, I like concrete block. People claim I'm a little dated with that. But basically, you've got a masonry, a concrete foundation. And then you put in a glass block, like an Owens Corning glass block. And it it mortars in just like laying brick. Um, so it's... Uh, you know, it's a solution that that actually lasts uh, a very long time. So I, it's kind of like putting brick into a brick wall. So I like concrete block as a uh, an alternative to that. Uh, you can't open it up. You can't vent. You can hit, replace a couple of those concrete blocks with vent or opening vents. But um, for our concrete basement world that we live in here in the middle of the United States in St. Louis, uh, I, I I the vinyl windows or the concrete block windows and, uh, you know, many of the concrete block companies around, um, you know, that uh, that install that um, offer both as solutions to that. So you can get uh, good professionals. The companies around here are really good at that. Uh, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900 puts us together. Next up, let's talk to Judy. Hey, Judy, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, Camwex. How can I help today? I have a house that was built in 54, and... I have a basement sewer pipe that will back up if toilet paper gets flushed, so I just haven't been letting people do that. Yeah. And because the cost to replace it or fix it was like 30000 to dig up the basement floor. Yeah. I heard an ad recently on CamoX about a liner that they can put in. What is your opinion of that, and how much does that cost? Uh, first off, uh, did you ever – did you have your sewer – a pressure washed clean uh they did the camera and they could see where it was beginning to collapse yeah yeah well first off um if you want to buy a little time there's you know the opening the sewer which is a cutting tool that goes down and it tends to tear up the pipe even more a uh, pressure right. wash and usually the guys that put the cameras down in there use pressure wash and it's it's like the dollar car wash or now three dollar car wash whatever it is used to be a quarter my point being is they spray they basically spray clean the entire surface of that whole pipe and you wind up with a slicker surface uh so i would 
check that out. Check with your people first. Um, then uh, I am familiar, and I got really fired up uh, about this about 10 years ago because it works, and they've been doing this technology out in the sewers and the water supply pipes in our cities all around St. Louis. So you see these white trucks, you know, with a truck on this end, a truck, and then a and sewer uh, lids on each end. They're lining those 100-year-old pipes, so the t- technology works. Mostly those pipes are 8, 10, 12, 16 inches in diameter, and they put this polyester liner material in. They pressurize it, and then they steam um, uh, pressure it, and the steam makes it cure. So the technology is very sound. The issue is you really need to clean out these pipes with these pressure washers before you do this anyway. So you 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 want clean, slick pipes. Uh, you want a camera that you've already done, but I would check out that uh, pipe one more because the reality, I looked into it, and um, normally speaking, um, because you don't need to line or replace the, all those pipes, you know, like half of the pipe projects wind up breaking the floor and replacing the pipe from the top because for whatever reason, the liner didn't get through because when you and I are, you know, in a residential house, it's only a four-inch uh, pipe underground. So it's a smaller pipe than they're used to working with. Uh, the technology works. It's a high knowledge. You need one, you know, the crew chief has to be a pretty smart bird, uh, man or woman. Uh, it does work. But the reality, when I really got into it, it was half, half the time that technology wasn't successful. They had to go back in and break the floor and fix the pipe anyway. So, yes, I love it, frankly. Uh, the net effect is that it's only successful, you know, less than 100%. I'm thinking half the time or a little more than half they work. Um, but that's why you haven't seen this in residential. I'm glad to see them out there. Uh, personally, if uh, if I had that, you know, I'm kind of a geek. I like to see how it works anyway. I would probably choose to have them do it. But I want you to go into that knowing there's still a good chance they may need to break your floor. And would they... Um have to go just to where the break is or through the whole pipe um a one-story house with a long pipe oh now is this out in front of your yard is this between the house no, and the, no, no. And the this street? is under the basement floor yeah yeah that that's the problematic part typically once they're coming in the cost to set this up, technology up and tear it down uh i would have them do as much as they can uh, because it, you know, I'm going to give you a number, and it's it's not an accurate number, but you know, if doing a four foot long section might be five thousand, doing a forty foot long section might be seven thousand, uh-huh. because so the cost off. to set up and tear down and access and all, and and they're, you know, they need they're still going to have to break or get access on both ends of this thing. They just can't do it through one opening. There's an Uh, in and an uh. out. So you may wind up having part of your basement broken up for that second place, or I'm not fluent enough um, in what this is, but this uh, has been done residentially for the last 10 years. It's not very well known. I'm glad to see it come, uh, but the reality is it doesn't work all the time. Oh, great to know. Any idea of how much it costs? Um, well, generally, it, it's somewhere around half of $30,000. You know, when you're tearing it up, it, it's it's definitely, a, it's kind of like resurfacing concrete, where if concrete's $30,000 resurfacing, it's like, you know, fifteen to eighteen. So I would guess that it's, it's, it's little more than half of what replacement would be. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I just yeah, it, and I was I was totally fascinated by this technology because it does work. But you can't tell how much block, you know, or you have a chunkier pipe falling in on the top. So you put the liner in, you try and blow it through. If you can't push that piece out of the way from the top, you know, that that liner won't work. It'll just solidify a smaller opening through your pipe, and then you still have problems. So, right. you know, right. yes, you can, and sometimes it doesn't work. But I love, I'm glad to see it here residentially because of all, <laughs> we have a lot of old houses here. You're not kidding. Okay, <laughs> so much. Yeah, good question, Judy. Thank you for bringing that up. Bye-bye. Okay, bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. I'll take a short pause and come back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together, Home Improvement. Uh, We've got about a minute left. News, weather, and sports coming up following all this. One o'clock brings your retirement professionals right here on KMOX. And then two o'clock, the business of family business, which I like very much because I see it kind of as a history of St. Louis. Some of these businesses I grew up with, uh, ours, Mosby Building Arts, is one of those family businesses. And I just, there's a lot of history that goes all the way back. Maybe I'm just, you know, my own personal bias, but uh, I, I like that show. Anyway, stay tuned here uh news weather and sports coming up next right here on kmox